The moment that you trust Christ as Savior until the moment that you die or that you're taken up in the rapture, that period of time is called the Christian life. And, and that's where we're at, and that's where I'm at. And, and I've got to figure out how to live this thing, how to, how to you know, figure out the things that pleases God and, and be pleasing to Him and, and do things that honor Him and you know, try to do the best that I very can to become a mature Christian in my walk with Him. And, and that's what I want to talk to you about today, the way of maturity. The way of, to maturity in the Christian life. Uh, talk about growing up. Uh, and it's not always a good thing when somebody tells you to grow up. But the scriptures encourage us to grow. To grow up. To grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In, in fact, 2 Timothy tells us, chapter 1, add to your faith. Add to your faith. Add to what you believe. Build upon that. That way you can, stand, you can stand firm. You can be stable when storms and things come in your life. You, you have a firm foundation on which to stand, and that is the Word of God. That is Jesus Christ. And it, because he says the effects of not adding to your faith, you, you can become blind. You, you can't see afar off. You'll be tripping over yourself trying to pick yourself up. Your, your Christian life will be a continual get all down and get back up again kind of life, and you can't figure out why. And it's because you're not growing. It's not, you're not maturing. You're not adding to your faith. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The very same faith that can give you spiritual life, as you grow in that same faith in the word of God, it can help you to grow and to be mature, to be strong. That way you can stand and you'll be fruitful. You won't become idle in your Christian life. And so... I want to talk to you about one of the four things that I believe pleases God. One of the four things that is considered one of the four talks. You've probably heard of them before. I didn't come up with this, but uh, four talks. One is prayer. That's you talking to God. The second one is God talking to you. That's through the scriptures and through the reading and studying of his word. The third one is fellowship. That's you talking to other believers. And the fourth is talking to lost people, witnessing, soul winning, sharing the gospel with people. The second one's the one I want to talk to you about, and that's God talking to you. You ever wonder what God thinks about things? I wonder what God thinks, you know? Well, the Bible is, Bible, the word Bible literally means book, and it is the book. This is God's mind on paper, and we are so, we should be so grateful, and we are so fortunate here to live in a free country where we can do what we're doing here today. You see, in, in China, they pass around and these underground churches and these places, they are starving for Scripture. They're starving for God's Word. And there's many churches over there that are under severe persecution. And they'll take a, whole, they'll take a page. They'll have it folded up. And they'll memorize that whole thing, whether it's a chapter or whatever. They'll memorize it. And then they'll pass it on or they'll destroy it so they don't get caught with it because they'll suffer severe persecution. And here we are in America today, and we have the Word of God. There's, 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 we got apps on our phone. we got it everywhere. You can go to Walmart and buy a copy, whatever. It's, it, it, it's everywhere in America. And we're free to do that. That's a good thing. You know, in the Old Testament, they didn't have scriptures. You know, not everybody had a copy of the Bible or the copy of the scrolls. The scrolls stayed locked under, under glass uh, cabinets. And, and, you know, just like David encourages us, us to do it in Psalm chapter 1, delight in the law of the Lord, meditate it upon it day and night. They had to do that. They had to literally take it in, absorb it, and meditate on the word because they, they couldn't just go to the scroll 
unlock it, take it out, and read it. So we're very privileged here in America to be able to study and read God's Word. God, the Creator of all things, spoke into existence, the most powerful name we know. So I'll talk to you today about growing up, the way to maturity, uh, the Christian life. In 2 Timothy in chapter 3, it's where I'll be today uh, for the most part, and be drawn upon a few other uh, places in Scripture to kind of help to help us. But uh, the context of this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is writing to young Timothy from prison. Paul knows that his life is getting ready to come to an end. He tells us that in chapter 4. And so he writes to Timothy to encourage him, to give him some instructions, and to warn him about some difficult times that are going to come uh, during the last days, uh, specific, specifically to him and to the church. In the first verse of chapter 3, he says this, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Perilous times shall come. He's telling Timothy, hard times are coming. Matter of fact, they're already here. He goes through the next verses, 2 through 5, and he describes 18 different characteristics of what people, what the world would be like in the last days. And he says, Timothy, hard times are coming, perilous times, difficult times, grievous times are coming for you and for the church. What does Paul tell Timothy to do after he describes? In verse 5, at the end of verse 5, he says this. From such, turn away. Turn away. Avoid. Separate yourself. Have nothing to do with these people. Because there are a lot of people, and a lot of things that those verses describe are counterfeit. And there's a lot of counterfeit money that goes through the hands of people in this nation and to the naked eye, to, to me, I couldn't, I couldn't tell the difference. But whenever somebody, an, an expert, takes it up against the standard by which they judge whether or not this is real or fake, they have a standard by which they go by. Well, when we x-ray our situation, the standard by which we use should be straight from the Word of God, the truth in God's Word. So Paul tells Timothy, he tells him to turn away, avoid these people, separate yourself, don't have anything to do with them. These evil men are seeking to lead people away from the truth, to lead you astray with error, with, with false teaching, trying to corrupt your mind in order to deceive you. Now, we just got back from Chicago a week or so ago, and we went up there to something called the Grace Conference, and I got a opportunity to talk to a lot of pastors and a lot of people in ministry and they said one of the worst things right now that's happening in their churches is YouTube and I love YouTube there's a lot of great things on YouTube um, that can help you uh, but there's also a lot of ministries and a lot of false teaching a lot of false teachers uh, that have channels on YouTube and, and, and people in these congregations are going straight there instead of straight to the Word of God they're going there and letting some other man tell them what they think the word says instead of going straight to the author himself, straight to God. And that's what Paul's saying here. In the last days, there's going to be a lot of error. There's going to be a lot of false teaching. There's going to be a lot of 
a lot of doctrine being taught, and, and, and be careful that you're not swept, swept away with every wind of doctrine. In, in verse 13, he tells us that evil men and seducers will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. These people are trying to deceive you in the church. And so as we grow, as things grow worse and worse, we need to grow stronger and stronger in our understanding and application of the word of God in our lives. So what is our resource? What is the believer's resource to be able to do this? It's the scripture. It's the word of God. Yeah, I love that you guys just finished a series on the armor of God and uh, Pastor Jared's uh, last message last week um, was on the sword of the spirit. The Bible tells us that it is the word of God, the sword of the spirit. If you noticed uh, in that study that the, the sword is the only offensive weapon that we have to fight against all the wiles of the devil, all the tricks, traps, and snares that Satan tries to get us with, uh, that's the only offensive weapon we have. The ever, everything else is for defense, to, to shield away the attacks. But we have the sword, which is the word of God, and that's our only offensive weapon to go. And did you notice that in that study there's nothing for the back? It's because God doesn't expect you to turn and flee from your problems. He didn't expect you to turn and run away. He's given us the authority of his word. We can fight with the sword of the spirit. Whatever situation that we come into, the more and more that we pour this into us, the more that it will permeate our thoughts and our our minds and it'll 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 begin to lead us and we'll begin to have discernment we'll know what we should do in situations because we've put that there we've hid it in our hearts and we've applied it to our life and i can't think of a better time than right now to stand on the truth of god's word that we might stand and withstand all the evil that's going on in our world and if not for us but for our children they're worth it so let's look at what Paul says here, and this is what, how he instructs Timothy, what he should do in these last days. In verse 14, he says, But continue thou in the things which you have learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Back up here a little bit. Paul tells Timothy to continue to remain, abide, dwell, to stay in the things that he's learned. And not only that, he, he tells him, and that from a child. Think about that for a minute. That, that shows me right there one thing, or two things. The importance of kids' ministries in church. Folks, I can't tell you how important it is to get your kids into, in, into church. If it's not here but gosh, this, they, got, they do such a great job. Chris has done, he's got a track record longer than I can think of. He has done a fantastic job uh, with young people and growing them up and helping them to be strong, bold witnesses for Jesus Christ. And he paid me to say that. I'm just kidding, he didn't. <laughs> but uh, get your kids in church. Teach them the scriptures. Now, the other thing it tells me is that the importance of discipleship in the home. You know, that's a biblical instruction for, for fathers. That we're the priests of the home. We're to, we're to train our children up in the way that they should go. and That when they're old, they'll not depart from it. That's our biblical duty. 
But see, in, here in Timothy's case, it says, from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures. Acts 16.1 tells us that Timothy's mom was a Jew, and so it was her custom for her parents to teach her the, the Torah and the Scriptures and the historical book and, and the, the Old Testament as, as they grew up. And that she had believed on Christ and must have heard Paul preach somewhere, and she, she knew the Scriptures. She'd studied them. She believed on Christ, and she must have taught them to Timothy. Timothy must have come along with, uh, and heard Paul's preaching and trusted in Christ as well. It also tells us in the fifth verse of the first chapter of 2 Timothy that uh, Paul commends Timothy for his faith, which was first found in his grandmother and in his mother. Now, in Acts chapter 16, verse 1, it tells us that Timothy's dad was a, he was a Gentile. It wasn't his custom. His, he didn't have the scriptures. He didn't know the scriptures. And, and so his parents didn't teach him that. That, that was not his way of life. So the importance here is that, you know what? We as parents have a, a difficult role, especially in the time that we live. But it's important to teach our kids the scriptures. It doesn't matter if it's dad or mom. You may be in a situation to where, you know, you're a single parent. But it's important. It, mean, it can mean the world to your kids as they grow up in this evil world with all this false teaching and everybody trying to pull them this way or that way you can get them grounded upon and grounded to build up the bible says rooted up in christ He's, he tells him here that from a child you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith now that i've read this i don't know how many times and that those three words came just stuck out to me salvation through faith I believe that's one of the, the number one thing being attacked from false teaching and false ministries and, and from many pulpits today. That salvation is by faith plus works or faith plus something else or that it's by works alone. I've got to do this and do that or do whatever. Paul confirms right here that the Holy Scriptures, if you'll read them and study them, make you wise unto salvation through faith. There is no other way for a man to be saved than through faith in what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. If you believe that he died for your sin, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, if you believe he did it for you, the Bible says that God will give you everlasting life. And if it's everlasting, how long does it last? It lasts forever. And that's good news. And so Timothy, or uh, Paul here, he, he says, the scriptures will make you wise in the salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Salvation through faith, the only way a man can be saved. In fact, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, two of my favorite verses say this, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now notice also he tells us this, the scriptures will make you wise into salvation through faith, which is in, it gives us the object of our faith, what we look to to be saved. There's no other name given among men by, whereby we must be saved. He is the way, the truth, the life. There is no other way to the Father but through Jesus Christ. And so salvation is through faith, which is in Christ Jesus there in verse 15. You know, all men have been saved that way. The same way. In the Old Testament, they were saved by faith and looking forward to the sacrifice that would be made on the cross. 
now and in the New Testament time, every man is saved through faith by looking backward to the cross and the payment that was made at Calvary. And I'm thankful for that. You know, Jesus, he, he said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if I be lifted up, he said, I'll draw all men unto me. Whosoever believeth in me shall not perish, but have eternal life. He said he'd draw all men unto him. How does God draw? Well, one primary way that he draws, Jeremiah 31.3 tells us that with his loving kindness I have drawn thee. Loving kindness with love. That's one of the primary ways that God draws us. You see, what Christ did for us on Calvary is the greatest act or form of love that we'll ever know. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's love. He is so simple, a child. This salvation through faith, it's so simple that a child can understand it. That's why we teach him songs like Jesus Loves Me. You know, there was a uh, prominent theologian back in 1962. He was at the University of Chicago. I think his last name was Barth. I've, I've never read anything he's written, but I think he's written some commentary, and I think he's written some books. I don't know where he stands on any theological argument, but he was at the University of Chicago in 1962, and he was doing a question and answer session with the students there, and one of the questions from the, one of the students was this. He said, can you sum up your theology, you know, your study of God, in one phrase or one sentence? This is what he said. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Now you think about that. A man who had studied the Bible, he was a theologian. That's, what, that was, that's a big title for somebody. Written books, studied this thing. And that was the, the one statement that he came up with to sum up all of his study of God and who God is. That Jesus loves me. So simple. A child can understand it. So we move on here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I didn't mean to go down a rabbit trail there, but 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. So Paul has told Timothy to continue in the things you have learned. They'll make you wise into salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, nothing else. Salvation is through Jesus plus nothing. He says this, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for four things, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture is inspired, literally, by God. God used 40 or so men, approximately over 1,500 to 1,600 years, to write this one canon of Scripture, 66 books, and it all makes sense. Now, if I gave each one of you a, a topic to write a, a, a paper on, and, and I said, all right, go research this doctrine, you know, whether it be faith or justification or glorification or sanctification or creation. And I told everybody in here to write that, and I put it all together into one book. Do you think it all makes sense? Probably wouldn't. Probably wouldn't, would it? But this right here, it all fits together perfectly. There's one author, and that was God. God inspired these, these writings. God inspired these men, and he used these men to record his word. In fact, in 2 Peter 1 and 21, it said, Holy men spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The picture there is as, a, the, as the wind blew like a sailboat. It went where the wind blew. Well, the Holy Ghost is a picture of the wind. And so when God spoke through the Holy Spirit, men 
folk, men wrote. That's how prophecy come. And we have a more sure word of prophecy now. We have his scripture. We have his word. We have his word and we have a copy of it. And so all scripture is given by inspiration. Inspiration, that Greek word means God breathed. God breathed out, literally. God breathed these scriptures out to men. And they're profitable. The Bible tells us they're profitable for four things, meaning you can gain something from it. There's an advantage to knowing the word of God. It's useful, it's helpful, and it's applicable to every situation in life. It's four ways the scriptures are profitable. It gives us right here. For doctrine, that's teaching. Teaching us what is right. For reproof, that's, that convicts us. That, that shows us what's wrong in our life. It's for correction. It shows us how to fix the things that's wrong. And then it's for instruction in righteousness that will teach us how to, how to live rightly, how to think the right way, and how to do right the way that God would have us to do it. Verse 17 tells us, so here's what happens. These scriptures can take you, this resource that we have can take you from a child. If you'll take it and absorb it and read it and study it and apply it, Take you from a child to a man or a woman of God. Look at that. Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Now, perfect doesn't mean you're, you'll be sinless. But if you read it and study it, apply it to your life, you will sin less. And perfect doesn't mean you're going you're gonna to be with, like I said, you're not going to be sinless. But it's talking about that word means complete or mature. And that's what God wants us to do, and he's given us exactly what he, the prescription we need to, in order to do that. And it's his word. It's his inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God can take you from a child, make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, and turn you into a mature, strong, truly furnished. You'll be fully equipped for every good work in your Christian life, even through trials and difficulties and temptations, you can be strong upon the firm foundation of God's word. And that's what made the difference here from the child to the man of God was in the middle there, verse 16, the scriptures. The scriptures. They'll equip you. So how do we respond to this passage that Paul's warned Timothy giving him some instructions, some good things, some applicable things for today. How do we respond to this? Well, first way I can think of is in 1 Peter 2, 2, it tells us this. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And I didn't read that right. There's a comma there. So it, it means like newborn babes. It's not calling, calling us babies. And it's not calling believers babies. But it's using it as an analogy. Just as newborn babes, just like them, just like, you know, you know how babies desire, you know, you know when it's feeding time. You know, you can, you can just about to a T every two to three, maybe four hours. I, when, you know, we've got four kids, and I could just about, I, I knew when to go and warm up the milk to get it ready. I knew they were getting ready to wake up, and I knew it was time to eat. And I knew that that baby was going to cry if I didn't. Would cry for, I mean, two minutes seemed like, oh, my goodness. You know, I'm going to lose my mind. So think about the desire that a baby has for milk in order 
to satisfy its needs and to help it grow. But we need to be just like newborn babes, that we need to develop a thirst for the Word of God. We need to develop a thirst for the sincere milk of the Word. And, and I promise you, the Scripture says it, you'll grow. You will grow. That's the first way we need to respond to that. Develop a thirst for God's Word, just like a baby does for milk. Second way we need to respond to that is found in 2 Timothy 2.15. You've probably heard this verse before, but it tells us to study. Study. How do we respond? We, we would develop a thirst for it, and then we study it. Verse 15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, study means to be diligent. It means do all that you can. It means labor. And, and studying is a labor of love. You realize this is God's love letter to his children. It's his, it's his love letter to us on paper. And we have the ability to be able to read it. The problem is we won't read it. I think that's what one of Jared's points last week was to dust it off. It's no use to you, no good to you if you don't have it, use it. And it brings me to an illustration, and, and you know, now everything is digital and on, uh, you know, text or on cell phone or whatever, but you think about, like, when you were in high school, you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and you'd write love letters. Now, I, I, most of you, I, I don't know if you remember that or not, but... Uh, you know, they'd pass you a love letter in the hallway or a letter or something. It didn't matter. And it could be a friend that just passed you a letter. You remember your desire to get to that and read it, open it up? Like, you'd go to your locker, open it up, and pretend you were getting your books out, and you'd open that letter and read it. Uh, or you'd be in class, and you'd, you'd take your book, and you'd do this, and you'd put the letter out on your book, pretend you're reading your book, and you're reading your love letter or whatever it is. You remember how that made you feel? You couldn't wait to sit down and read that letter. You see, not reading God's word is like saying I love you, but I don't have time to read what you wrote to me. Think about that for a minute. You know, it's a shame to know the depths of God's love and what he did for us and, and, and the, the value that this can add to your life, but we won't read it. And I'm not giving you a guilt trip I struggle with it, too. That's why it says study. It's labor. It's a work. It's something that you have to develop a desire for, and you have to see the, the, the purpose that it has for your life, and you have to see that it is applicable. It'll help you. It'll help you stand strong in tough times. It doesn't change. It stays the same, and it'll endure forever. And so we ought to study it. We ought to study God's love letter to us. The second point in that verse there says we need to be a workman. A workman. Workman means a skilled craftsman. You know, here, here uh, recently my son and I have gotten into fishing. And, you know, when we're not fishing, he's usually watching tons of YouTube videos about fishing. You know, I mean, he, he knows just about, I mean, in just a little bit of time that he's been fishing, he knows more than I do. And I'm, you know, almost 40, and I mean, I've fished a lot longer than he has, so just not recently. Um, but he can tell you. Anything, I asked him the other day. We were in Cabela's, and uh, there's something called a wacky rig. If you fish, you know what a wacky rig is. Um, and I was like, I said, Reed, I wonder what kind of hook I need for a wacky rig. And he went, 
uh, one oct red octopus hook. And I was like, what? How do you know that? You're nine. What even is that? But sure enough, there was a, a such thing, a one oct red octopus hook. But you see, watching all those videos, and I can read all the Field and Stream magazines that I want. But unless I take what I read and use it, I'll never become a skilled fisherman. It's the same thing with God's word. If we don't read it, study it, we'll never become skilled in our Christian walk because we'll be trusting in our own thoughts, our own, well, I think I should do this, you know. This, probably, this is probably right, you know. That's not how God wants us to think. God wants us to think how he thinks, and he's given us his word to show us how he thinks, and I'm thankful for that. And so be a workman. Be a skilled craftsman. Desire the word. Study it, and then put it to use. Use it. It'll be profitable for you. Now, let me give you a bad example here, uh, and I don't know if I'm keeping up with the scriptures. Sorry if I've been behind but let me give you a really uh, kind of a, a sad example uh, the writer of Hebrews is is talking to these Hebrew believers um, and he's warning them of the dangers of immaturity not growing and look what it says here uh, I'll go through these three verses and then we'll back up a little bit it says uh, here of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered seeing ye are dull of hearing for when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now, it's not again, it's not saying that milk is bad, but you know how babies progress in their stages of eating as they're able to, as they grow from the milk, they grow in stages as they're able to handle more solid food. And that's what the strong meat is. It's solid food. You know, as, as babies grow, they, they advance to stage one or whatever, and then on to stage two, and then uh, sooner or later, you're throwing a, a T-bone steak at them. Uh, they're eating you out of house and home. But, um, you know, we grow, and we grow in our Christian life in stages. You are a newborn. If you trust Christ your Savior, you are a newborn babe. You're an immature Christian. You need to, at that time, figure out, what it is that pleases God by the study and reading of his word and do that after you become a Christian. If not, you'll be, you'll be tripping over yourself the rest of your life. Uh, and that's what God wants us to do. His desire for us is to be more like Christ. Be more like him. Grow into grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The reason that Second Peter wrote, Peter wrote that in Second Peter, to add to your faith and grow in grace and in knowledge, Knowledge is used 16 times of that three-chapter book. And it's important because in the second chapter, he's warning about all the false teaching that will be going on during the time. And so that's our purpose today. That's why we study and read the Word of God so we can understand it, we can know it, we can apply it to our life, and we can use that sword of the Spirit and all the armor of God, and we can shield off all this false teaching and all this false doctrine and all the attacks from the devil. And so what happens when we don't use it here in the first verse there, or in the 11th verse there, chapter 5 of Hebrews, when we don't use the word of God, we become, become dull of hearing, meaning slothful, sluggish, lazy. You'll become idle in your walk with the Lord because you're not growing. 
And whenever you hear something, you're more likely to believe it. If you hear something that's false, that's not from the Word of God, you probably believe it. You, you have a potential to be led astray if you don't know what the Word of God says. You'll become dull of hearing, and it'll all just be like, yep, okay, that's it. I believe it. Sooner or later, you'll fall into a ditch. When we don't use the Word of God, it says here in the 12th verse, one, he, he says this. He says, you know, for the time, talking about the time they've been believers, you ought to be a teacher by now. You ought to be teaching this. But the problem is they hadn't matured in their growth. Uh, and so the, the writer here was wanting to move on to a teaching about the priest Melchizedek, which is back in the Old Testament in Genesis. But he says, you're dull of hearing. This is hard, to, difficult to explain. You won't understand it. You know, you, you've, been, you've, been, you've been a believer this long. You're, you're, you're on the cusp of falling back into Judaism and under the law and trying to do all these things to be justified before men. But now you have need that someone remind you again. You become uh, forgetful of what you've learned. Somebody's got to go back and teach you the ABCs, the basics of Christianity, because you're dull of hearing. You're not growing. You become weak spiritually, uh, as the 12th and 13th verse teach us there, you're like a babe, an immature Christian. And you stay that way. You never grow. You never grow up. Again, it's not that milk is bad. It's just you won't grow like God wants you to grow if you don't progress onto the strong meat of God's word. And, and some of the harder things, you know, Satan knows the Bible, and that's exactly what he did to, to Jesus and when he tempted him in the wilderness. He used the word of God against him. He knows the word. And so he'll take it and he'll remove a, he'll remove a verse here or there, or a word here or there. You could fall into error or false teaching or, or be led astray. So you need to grow. Grow from the milk and onto the strong meat, the solid food of God. He says this... Uh, you're unskillful, verse 13. You're unskillful in the word. You don't know how to use it. Inexperienced. You don't know what to do with it. You don't know how to apply it to your life. So what's the solution? It says strong meat belongs to them that are of full age. That means mature. Even, here's the, here's the, here's the solution right here. Even those who by reason of use... You see, it's because they used it, they were able to understand the deep things of God. They were, un they were able to get off of the meat and onto the strong meat, the solid food of God. That way they could stand on a strong uh, foundation. Their senses were exercised and trained that they could have discernment of the difference between good and evil. It's because they were growing. They were using it using it. You see, when we exercise, our muscles grow, and our brain is like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the more it grows. It's the one thing that gets sharper the more you use it. So it is with the application of God's word in our life. So to sum all this up, if we study the word of God, there are some serious uh, dangers of falling into immaturity if we don't develop a thirst for God's word and study it and then use it like I said, we'll, we'll fall into what these guys are like in, in Hebrews. 
But what happens if we do? And Jared covered this verse last week. For the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharp. If the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharp, it can make you that way too if you'll use it, if you'll let it work in your life. You see, it's quick, meaning it's living, it's active. And when you put your faith in it, you are spiritually alive. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ and in the gospel, it's the power of God and salvation to all that believe. It's quick, it'll make you alive. It's powerful, meaning it's operative. It can operate in your life and help you through times of struggle, through times where you need discernment, what to do, how to know right from wrong, good from evil, Bible from false teaching. That's what it says there. It's a discerner. It can help you have discernment, spiritual discernment, in times of false teaching and error. It, it'll help you not only this, think about this question just for a minute. What's the most difficult thing for you to understand? My answer is myself. I don't know why I do the things I do. I don't know why I say, I, I say the things I do sometimes. I have no clue. But God's word is a discerner of the thoughts. and God knows why I did it. It's because I have a sin nature, and I didn't get rid of that. God didn't change the old man. I still have it, and I've got to learn how to walk in the new man. That way my spiritual man can overpower the old man, and I can walk in a newness of life. And that's the power that God has given us through the study of his word. It's quick, it's powerful, it's sharp. It'll make you that way if you'll use it. Don't trust your own discernment. Don't trust your own heart, your thoughts. Trust the word of God. The Bible says our hearts are deceitful and above all else, desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I, God knows it, though. God knows it. And he'll help you. If you'll think like he wants you to think, if you'll take the word and let that permeate your thoughts, permeate your life, It'll change you. It'll help you live a more victorious Christian life. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to replace your thoughts and intents and replace them with his spiritual thoughts and intents. What he wants you to do, how he wants you to think, live, speak, act. If you want to know anything, this is our instruction manual right here. We got it. We got it. We, we can profit from this. Many, many things. So there was a... Uh, Somebody asked these two uh, high school graduates what their plans were uh, now that they've graduated. Uh, he said, what are your plans? What are you going to do? He said, I'm going to go to barber school. He said, well, are you going to be a barber? He's like, yeah, duh. Uh, the other guy said, I'm going to Bible school. He said, what are you going to be, a Bible? He's like, I sure hope so. You think about it. How awesome was that? But he said, yeah, I sure hope so be a Bible we can be a walking Bible and you know we've got problems uh, there's other people in our lives that's got problems and the Word of God is the medicine cabinet that we can go to to help us solve those problems and we can help other people solve their problems if we'll just go to it figure out what the people need go to the med medicine cabinet we can help we can be helpers I believe that's what God wants us to do anyway I hope this is practical been helpful for you uh, something you can take, maybe motivate, encourage you to get back into the Word and really just develop a thirst for it. Study it. Use it. Apply it to your life. Don't fall into immaturity, but grow. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ so that you can stand in the evil day and withstand all that uh, Satan, all the tricks, traps, and snares he's going to throw at us. 
that you won't be deceived in, 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 in teaching that uh, could be an error, that you know that the scriptures can make you wise unto salvation, which is by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ and the finished work of the cross, what he did for us over 2,000 years ago. Now, if you're not paid attention to anything I've said today, I hope you would pay attention to this right here. This is the most important thing I'll have to say. Let this hand represent you and me, and my wallet represents sin. The Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means we've fallen short of God's perfection, his standard. Now, God, he loves us, but he hates our sin, you see, because for us to pay for this sin would be separation eternally from God in literal fire-burning hell. You see, for us to go to heaven, we've got to be perfect as righteous and holy and just as God, but none of us are. We've all got, we've all got sin, and no sin is going to enter in. We've got this problem, and so a lot of people think, well, I can, I can do a bunch of good works. I'll go to church. I'll read a Bible. I'll study. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll uh, give money to the church and do all these good deeds, all these good things. And while those are all good things, don't get me wrong, none of those things can save you. None of those things. So we have this problem. We have this sin. How do I get rid of it? Well, Jesus Christ, let this hand represent him. He came into the world. He, he knew no sin. He had no sin. He came into the world because he loved us. He hates our sin because it separates us from him. And what did he do? He took upon himself all the sins for all the world, for all mankind, for all time, and he died on the cross, the death that we all deserve. Came back from the dead three days later, and all he wants for you to do is believe that he did it for you. When you believe that, God says he grants to you everlasting life, and you can know that you're going to heaven when you die the bible says in first john five thirteen, these things have i written unto you that believe on the name of the son of god that you may know that you have eternal life you can know it and then when you know it when you get that assurance develop a thirst for god's word the one who saved you study it apply it to your life use it that way you can grow into maturity and you can live and act like you know where you, because you already know where you're going. You have a new citizenship. It's now in heaven. It's not here. You're just strangers and pilgrims passing through, going home. But while you wait, grow. Grow.